If you don't know who I am, my name is Devin. I am the uh, pastor here at the 508, and uh, it's such a privilege and an honor to have you. I know we have a lot of guests, a lot of first-time visitors. Can we give it up for all of our first-timers, all those that are coming? We love you guys so much. Um, thank you guys for trusting us with your Friday night. And uh, if you're newer to church, first of all, I just want to tell you, uh, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. You can just belong here, period. Uh, we love you here. We're so honored to have you. Uh, here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes is uh, ultimately we're going to have a conversation uh, around this text that uh, Shane, Caleb, and I um, have really kind of prayed on, talked about. We went out to uh, uh, God's favorite restaurant, Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. Uh, how many love Mama's French Toast breakfast? Come on, I always feel the spirit of God coming to this room right now. And so uh, we were talking over uh, breakfast recently, and we really think that we have, uh, although all of us are local church pastors, I think all of us have a regional responsibility. And so what I really think is going to happen today is not only are we going to share some of our observations, but I think we're going to actually uh, prophesy and declare to our future uh, what God's going to do in and beyond our city. Amen, everybody? And so listen, we're not a church that goes buck wild during worship, but we're silent and we're dead during the word. Come on, we're a holler back type of church. Yeah. And so if you hear something that you agree with, you can just say amen. You can talk back. And uh, that's the kind of church that we're in. Are you guys ready for the word, everybody? All right. Why don't you all stand to your feet just for the reading and the honoring of God's word. Uh, this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 61. If you don't uh, have uh, your Bible, I believe it will be thrown up on screen. And uh, make sure you put this in your notes today because you're going to want to take some notes because we got some practicality for you. Uh, but we also have some prophecy for you. This is what it says, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and following. It says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Somebody say me. Say me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedoms for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Last verse. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. We want to we talk from this subject today, dear New England. We got something to say. We got something to talk about. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for gathering us all here together. We just pray, Lord, that in this moment that we share collectively, you would speak. It may not be Devin's words, Caleb's words, Shane's words. May it be your words using our mouthpieces. Our words certainly cannot change anybody, but your word can change everybody, anything, anywhere, anytime, any place. And we invite you to do that today, Lord. So speak, Father, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Come on, everybody said amen. amen and amen. Hey, we brought our, uh, our amen corner up here. Can you show them some love, y'all? Um, let me just start off. Let me just start off by saying something, uh, just being completely vulnerable for a minute. Um, how many know, especially those that lead and have influence, how many know leadership is hard? Leadership is tough. It's difficult. And so what I wanted to do is really bring some of my friends. These are my best friends in the world. 
Uh, we get to do ministry in different cities together. We get to do ministry uh, together often. And so we find ourselves at conferences and churches all the time. We find ourselves at dinner and breakfast all the time. And uh, we really have conversations that we want to have a conversation with you today. And um, we talk a lot about leadership. And what leadership is, it's not having a certain amount of followers on Instagram. Come on, somebody. It's not having a bunch of followers. It's actually having influence. That's what leadership is. And so I heard it said once like this, but leadership, uh, listen, uh, if you want to go make people happy, go sell ice cream. Don't be a leader. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to make people happy. I'm trying to be effective and trying to make sure that God's kingdom comes down on earth. And so what I find a lot of times is I am overwhelmed. To be completely honest with you, I talk to my wife about this all the time. I have wanted to quit a lot in ministry. You guys ever felt that way? Every Thursday. I, every Thursday, <laughs> facts. I have wanted to quit a lot in ministry, to be completely frank and to be completely honest with you. And why I read the scripture that I read today is because this text is so sacred to me. It is so special to me because it is this text particularly I read every time before I preach. I read this text every time before I preach because it is a Holy Ghost reminder for me and to my soul of what I am called to do. Now watch this and write this down in your notes. If you're taking notes, write this down. Is God always gives assignment, but before he gives assignment, he gives you equipment. Are you hearing me, everybody? So watch. Here's our assignment. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to what? Proclaim the good news to the poor. That's assignment. But before he says he proclaims the good news to the poor, what does he say? He says the Spirit of the living God is on me. And so your equipment is the anointing and the the favor and the supernatural spirit of God that is on the inside of you. Let me just tell you something, young people. This is why I believe in young people. This is why I've invested my life in young people is because we have uh, uh, advances in technology that are absolutely supernatural today. Now watch. In In your pocket is your phone, right? So you have a phone in your pocket, and the phone today, especially like you have an iPhone 10, 11. We don't believe in Androids around here. They're full of demons. Anyways. Um... You're, uh, yeah, you do have to respond to the altar and repent of your sins and change your phone plan. Anyways, um, in your pocket, you have a supercomputer. And did you know that the technology in your iPhone is more advanced than NASA, than the Apollo 11 that went up into space? So you have a supercomputer in your pocket. Now watch this. Because young people have the advances in technology today, we have things like that in our pocket. But let me tell you something that, is, that pales in comparison to that technology. Listen, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And that is so much more valuable. It is so much more worthy. It is so much more helpful than technology in your pocket. You got the Spirit of God and you have the anointing of God on your life. And I want to remind you, if you are feeling overwhelmed and if you feel like something is impossible to do and God has called you to an assignment that God has and it is impossible to you, let me tell you something. God does impossible things today, everybody. He does impossible things today. And what I wanted to do is have a conversation with my friends and just ask you guys a couple questions because you guys have a vantage point and a perspective uh, really regionally, even I would say uh, nationally. We get to kind of travel all over the country sometimes and we get to speak in places And uh, we are responsible to lead hundreds of young people, and we really probably influence thousands of young people collectively. And so I just wanted you guys to share some of your thoughts on what you see in this generation currently. Uh, Maybe what are some strengths, what are some weaknesses? I'll I'll go Caleb first. Maybe you can share some stuff. Yeah, what a good question. Um, I, I think I'm not like a generational expert or anything like that, but what I see... Just by my observations as a, as a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor, youth pastor for almost five years, people. So we, 
We, you know, we almost, we almost made it, you know. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Mama, we made it. You watching? No. So five, coming up on five years, so I made some observations along the way. And I think one of the great strengths of our generation is the fact that they want to live their life for a cause. Yeah. Like we want, we want our life to mean something. And we want to live for something that's bigger and greater than just our own life. So I see that all over the place in this generation. I absolutely love it because we want to live for something bigger. And I think that even more so in this generation than any other generation. I mean, maybe in the the past one, but for sure this generation wants to live for something great. And so what I think that our job as leaders and really our jobs as Christians is to take that desire to live for something greater, harness that desire, and tie it to the gospel. Because the truth is, if you're a part of the church, you are a part of the most important organization in the entire world. I am fully, I am so committed to the church because I am fully convinced without a shadow of a doubt that the church is the, is the hope of the entire planet. And so when we can say to young people, you don't just have to live for making a lot of money. You don't have to just live for, for you know, getting a great career. All, all that stuff is great. But you actually get to live your life for the cause of the gospel. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Right Right before he ascended, he gave us a mission. And so I think one of the greatest things uh, that we get to do as leaders, but as Christians, because I love what what the the scripture reading in Isaiah 61, because nobody is excluded from the spirit of God. And if you're not excluded from the spirit of God, you're not excluded from ministry. You're not excluded from influencing the world around you. All of us are called to, to bring that hope, bring that peace, and bring that love to the, genera- to the people around us. And so I think when we can harness that desire and say, let's tie that to the gospel, go and make disciples of all nations, and, and we can bring that peace and bring that love of Jesus Christ to, to hurting and broken and fragile people, then we are a part of the greatest movement in the entire world. And so I love seeing young people get committed to a church, get planted in a church, and being a part of it. I'm looking at the 508, and I think Shane and I are a little bit depressed because we see so many people that are highly committed to this, yeah. to this church and highly planted in this team. And so shout out. Give it up for Devin Fry, Natalia, Pastor Derek. And State. Come on, you better do better than that. You better give it up for your leaders. You better give it up for your pastors. We're so grateful. The best in the biz. Absolutely. The best in the biz. You guys are you're the real deal, and, and uh, we're, I mean, we're just so grateful for you. And um, I mean, I just want to can I share a story real quick. I'm thinking of a young man named Josh who, who came over a year ago to our ministry, walked in the doors for the first time. I had kind of get, he was, a, he was one of the DJs at my wedding. Okay, hello. We built a relationship, you know, got to know each other. I invited him to church for like four whole years and kind of came and went, checked it out, got creeped out, came back, you know. And so he, he came to the church, and, and, and I remember I texted him one day uh, about a year ago, and I said, I would really like to see you tonight. I really, I think God has something special for you. Would you want to come? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I have something. I, I'm busy. You know, you ever invited someone to church? like, I'm busy. It's like, what are you busy? <laughs> you ain't got nothing going on. The, the invitation is three months from now, yeah. bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I invited him to church, and, and he said no. And then I said, listen, you've got a gift on your life. You're a relational person. Could you? Just come tonight, greet people at the door, give them a high five, let them know they're welcome to the gathering. Could you just do that? And so he, said, he got back to me a couple hours and said, I'll be, I'm, I'm there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. The same night that this dude came to greet at the door was the same night he committed his life to Christ, got plugged on a team, and his whole life has, revolution, has been revolutionized for the past year. And he's one of, our, one of our top leaders at the gathering right now. You don't know what one invitation could do. 
People want to live for a purpose. They want to live for something greater. And you get to be the link in the chain to say, I have the greatest news, the gospel, that you get to share for all the people around with you. So I would say that's one of the, high, the, the greatest strengths we've got. We want to live for something. You know? What's up, 508? How's everybody doing tonight? Hey. We feeling good? Let me talk to you about a gas station called Cumberland Farms. <laughs> just playing. Put just up playing. the old one. Put up the new one. Put up the, Put up the new one. Put up I'm the old playing. one. I'm just playing. <laughs> oh, man. I apologize. That was like one of the wildest messages I've ever preached in my life. That was the biggest hot mess message I've ever preached in my life. But it was all right, right? It, it, it came across. Um, but as I'm thinking about as I'm thinking about our generation, I think piggybacking on what Caleb said, I think our biggest strength is our passion, right? Our, it's our passion. We are we are passionate people, and and Caleb has alluded to that. But I think that the the weakness on the flip side of that is the sustainability of our passion. Is that we are quickly passionate about things, but the sustainability of that passion, like let's keep that same energy, right? Like if if we're gonna be pa- like. I admire, all of our fathers are pastors, right? Devin's dad, Kayla's dad, my dad. Combined, our dads have almost a century of ministry put together. That is sustainable passion. That is something that was not just like a shooting star. That was not something that was like, yeah, we're going to start this church, but, but then we're going to quit if it gets hard. But passion, true passion that, that, that bears fruit is sustainable passion. People won't be sustained in their passion if they're not being fed in their passion. And so I think, like, I, like, what I love is I love energy. I love passion. I love, I love like, I brought, I'm the only guy up here that brought a towel, right? I love passion. Down. It's about to go right? down. Like, I'm, I'm all about that passion. But we got to, <laughs> passion, passion unsustained is just hype. It's just hype. And hype doesn't bear fruit. Like, I don't know if you were around for, like, Coney. Anybody remember Coney 2012? Like, the, the, the dude. And everybody blew up social media. Like, we're going to catch Coney. But then it, it dropped the next, like, everyone forgot two days later. And I think sometimes we do that with the church. Like, yeah, we're going to build this thing. But then the first snowstorm, you're the first one that says, no, nah, I can't make it. It's raining outside, bro. It's, like, let's keep that same energy. Right? Like. No, my pastor offended me. No, he was trying to teach you. Like, let's keep that same energy. Yo, y'all all be better taking notes right now. So, like, I think, I think millennials have a coin in their hand. And the coin, the one side of the coin, the George Washington side has the passion thing. And then the eagle side has, like, our, our flakiness. And we got to choose, like, where we're going to land. Man, I want to land 50 years from now still in the same passionate side that I'm on today. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that's what, I, that's, those are my thoughts. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody that's, in the room? That's great. Right, so good. Just tell your neighbor, keep that same energy. Just keep that keep same it. Keep energy. Keep it, keep it, keep it. Keep that same energy. Shane, you, you talked about it a little bit, but uh, maybe Kayla will touch on it. What do you see that this generation lacks? What do you see um, is an area of weakness or an area of growth? You know, I, we are the most distracted generation that yeah. has ever lived. And that's statistically proven. We are the most distracted generation. That's because we have the the entirety of the interwebs in our front right pocket at all times. We have access to anything, to everything at all times, 24-7. And so because of that, we're so distracted. So I I would say the, the 
you know, uh, the great weakness of our, of our generation is learning how to curb our, our use of, our, of social media. Think about this. Like, we are literally addicted to our phones, addicted to social media. We're addicted to the Internet. We're addicted. You, I, I forget the stat of how many times a day people check their phone, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Anybody check their screen time and just get depressed? Like, my yeah. Bible app is like zero, and my yeah. Facebook is right. it's like, my God. Like, right. <laughs> we're, being, we're being transparent tonight. No. Uh, that's so true. But, but I, I, think, I think that, you know, you can live your whole life in front of a screen. Yeah. And you miss out on the exact thing that we, we were just talking about before, the whole radical call to follow Jesus and yeah. make disciples. Yeah. Because we're, I think, I think, you know, you've heard it said, like, the de- if the devil can't destroy you, he'll distract you. If he can't take you out, he'll just keep you busy all day long, every single day. And I, I, the number one thing I hear, and if I hear it one more time, if somebody says it to me tonight, I will, I don't know what I'm going to do, but hey, how you doing? I'm busy. That's the number one thing. Am I right? You hear, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so busy. Like life is just so, just so busy right now. And it's not that it, it's not that it's like not true. It's just, I feel like the better term for busy is just distracted. We're not just like busy. We're just distracted. And I think, I think there's a real thing there where, where we got to learn how to, how to curb. So something I've been practicing, I've tried to do this every single morning I wake up. I think it's just a good principle is before you go digital, go Bible. Before you go digital, go silence. And go paper, prayer. paper Bibles help, I think. Paper Bibles paper help. Bibles help. Well, because if you're, if you're on your Bible and you get a, a notification, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're going to go open the notification. Someone liked my Instagram post, you know? You're going to yeah. open the... Yeah. Somebody what's likes that, me. What's that know? famous like preacher corny joke? It's like if you're uh, using your Bible on your phone and you lose your battery, you can't cast out a demon or something like that. What? But you have your Bible. Oh, you never heard that before? Yeah. You have your Bible, well, bro. I, you got access to the power all the time. You know which one I love? It's so corny. When somebody says, you need to stop going on Facebook and get your face in the book. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's y'all good. have never heard that? Have you ever it's been true, in church before? Come on, heard, y'all. Just, I'm pretty yeah, sure I posted that on Facebook like on 2014 or something. It's like, yeah, that's like young and ministry posts right there for sure. I'm, so. I'm finding that like my folks and I, like my people are here. I love y'all. <laughs> But, uh, like, busy is a lot, but I think a lot of my people say, like, I'm exhausted. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. tired. Yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted. Somebody's right. really tired over there. Ha, ha, ha! I'm exhausted. Yeah! And we I need to take an altar call right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, seriously. Let's come forward. And I'm like, why, why are we such an exhausted, just an exhausted generation? Where, and I think it's a symptom of what you're talking about, right? It's where, where we have a ton of priorities. So the fact is we have no priorities because if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So everything's exhausting us, and we're trying to keep up with this, that, the other, and keep up with impressions on, on social media, and keep up with that relationship that we shouldn't be in, and keep up with the, the, the ministry that we're trying to serve so that we can kind of feel like we're, we're, we're doing okay, and we're trying to throw, throw in a psalm so that we feel like we read our word, but we haven't really read, and then we, we pray, and we consider like the prayer over our meal. Yeah, I prayed because I talked to the Lord and blessed the food, and, and, and so why are we exhausted is because all of our priorities are out of whack. Because you can't give 100% of your energy to 100 different things. That's why you're exhausted. Whenever my life has been out of balance, and I'll tell you this right now, I've been married four years, three wonderful years, because year one was weird. And <laughs> year, one, year, one was, year one was weird and exhausting because my priorities were wrong. Because it was, it was, it was church first. It was church first. Check this out. It was church first, God second. Those are two separate things. Church first, God second, Alini third. 
And so what ended up happening was all three suffered. So what ha ended up happening was it had to be God first, Alini second, church third. And when that, when that was established and I could give my energy to the right thing at the right time, all of a sudden I had more energy. Keep that same energy. And part of keeping that same energy is you getting your priorities right. All the married people said amen. 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 There was not many people that said amen because there's a lot of single people in the room right now. Yeah, that was my wife. Shout out to my girl. What's up, babe? Stacy. Hey, real quick question. We uh, <laughs> and my wife. And his yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. My wife's pregnant. I feel like now we all my have to do that. My wife's pregnant right now. My wife hey. is not pregnant. Okay. What up, Stace? Round two. It's hey, a boy. Question: How does that? How does that happen, Caleb? Like, how did that? Well, really, when you know. Okay, let's not go into that. Okay. Um. No, what real quick. Is, rapid fire. Rapid fire question and answer. Um, tell me, as leaders, uh, how do you grow an influence? What have you done? Maybe give me like a thirty-second quick answer. Be a psychopathic, aggressive learner. Mm. That's good. good Pull from everybody. Yeah. Like, ask questions instead of thinking you have all the answers. Yeah. Like, if you're the, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're in the wrong room. You need to pull from people. Ask questions. Seek to learn. Be a learner. Yeah. And be aggressive about it. Yeah. Be psycho about learning yeah. because you will never be able to lead if you don't learn. Yes. So, so you might have graduated from from a greatest college and whatever, but if you're not still learning, you're not leading. So yeah. you, gotta, you gotta learn, that's it, so you gotta learn. Absolutely, seminary was great, but I think I learned way more at Cracker Barrel with Devin and Caleb than I ever learned in a seminary class. We thinking about having a podcast called Crapper, Cracker Barrel Conversations. <laughs> Cracker Barrel Conversations. Yeah, we're going to have, have, have Crapper Barrel Conversations. Crapper Barrel Conversations. I don't like, I mean, that's what happens the food. Who would listen to, to that podcast? Best. Come on. That would be a fire Crapper podcast. Barrel. Yeah, we got to. Maybe too much fire, to be honest. Cracker I don't know. That leads to Crapper Barrel. Could be pretty. Um, you with me on that? What are we Crapper? talking about Crapper? right now? What? I don't know. But, but I think that, absolutely piggyback on what he said, you got to learn, and you got to, I think, honestly, meeting Devin, who, Pastor Devin, who is honestly, I think, one of the greatest leaders of our generation, yeah. changed the game for me. It changed the game for me. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, man, man I suck. And then, and then you just start. But then you, you get yourself around the right people, and you're like, man, Devin, Devin does it this way. And, and I'm not trying to be Devin, but maybe I can learn something. And my church looks very different than Connect or than 508, but that's okay. Like, maybe I can take something and, and apply it and, and tweak it and change it, but still use the principle. And friendships changed, friendships changed my life because, man, ministry is lonely because you're over here trying to figure it out, trying to throw pizza parties, trying to get people to come. And, and they won't. That pizza will be cold because pizza parties don't grow your influence. It doesn't. Bowling nights don't grow your influence, right? Like, a lot of churches be trying to like, oh, let's, let's get all the young people by doing a pizza night. We can buy our own pizza. Like, we don't need pizza. We're looking for life change. And I, th and I think that, that the thing that changed my life was just getting myself around the right people. And piggybacking on point two off, off of learning is be faithful. The way you grow your influence is to be faithful long enough in one thing that all of a sudden people look to you because you've stuck to it long enough. Right? You'll never grow influence if you're always hopping. Pa, 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 pa. Church, 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 church. No. Church, church. It'll never, it'll never go. It'll never happen. Maggie, get up here. But, but, Yo, Kenny, get back up here. The dancer, he just needs to. 
<laughs> but when you, look, I started preaching at 17, right? 17, I'm now 30, so that's 13 years of, of being faithful to one house. And I'm not faithful to that house because my dad's my pastor. I could have left. I could have been somewhere else. I'm, I'm faithful to that house because God called me to that house. And, and I think, man, influence just comes to you when you're faithful. So good, it just happens. You don't got to promote yourself. So you don't got to make it happen. You don't have to try to be something you're not. You just be faithful. And all of a sudden, heads will turn. And you'll say, God, you've led me here. Not because of what I did, but because of just, man, you just, God's just good like that. So just, I love be, that. I love that. just be faithful. I think, yeah, just steady plotting. Yeah. Just, I, I don't think we're people that are settlers. I think we are rogues. Mm. I think a lot of us love to go from job to job, person yep. to person, relationship right. to relationship, church, church to, church. to church. Exactly. And uh, we wonder why we have no influences because we have no roots. Yeah. That's it. That's and so line. because there's no roots, you can't produce fruit. Right. Fruit comes from roots. roots. By the way, I just want to, first of all, honor y'all's gifts. Um, I think you're one of the greatest communicators on the planet. I think... Uh, Caleb is a Swiss army knife. He can lead. He can preach. He's building something incredible. Only Shane can say uh, pizza parties won't grow your influence, and the whole crowd goes, wow. <laughs> wow. Like, literally, my team over here just they blew their minds. I'm over here just, like, crafting sermons and quotes, and they're just like, yeah, that's decent. Pizza parties don't change your life. Oh, my God, dude. Absolutely so frustrating. Anyways. That's why Shane's preaching loud. Yeah, exactly. Today. Seriously, he's the anchor. Um, I, I really wanted to talk about leadership because I think everybody has leadership and has influence in them. Why don't you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got a leader in you. Now say it again because they didn't believe you the first time. You got a leader in you. And so what we want to do, and listen, our vision for our ministry is we exist to produce kings and queens. Ultimately, what that means is we are called to pull the leader and pull the king and pull the queen out of you. And so if you don't know you have influence, you will lose your influence. And so everybody has influence. And what we want to do is stoke that fire on the inside of you and draw that influence out of you. And so little do you know, maybe you do know, maybe you don't know, but we are in one of the hardest areas to do ministry. This is not just uh, opinion. This is factually based. There's actually a chart. I want you guys to throw it up there, guys. I don't know if you guys have it, but Barna Research, a Christian research uh, company, they did this. And six out of the ten most godless cities in America or post-Christian cities in America are found in New England. People don't come here to plant churches. People don't come here to do ministry. Uh, the, uh, many people call us the frozen chosen or New England is the preacher's graveyard. That's what a lot of people say. And so what I love is I love a challenge. Any competitive people in the room? Come on, I love a challenge. And so I'm glad we were not called to Florida. I'm glad we were not called to L.A. I'm glad we weren't called to the Bible Belt. I'm glad we were called to a place that is hard soil and what many people say is impossible. I serve the God that does the impossible. And I love that about our church. And I know a lot of people, listen to me, everybody. I know a lot of people are running from the church, and that's statistically proven. But I'm telling you, a lot of people are not running from our churches. They are flocking to our churches. And I think that's a result of great leadership. I think that's a result of prayer. I think that's the result of the grace and the power and the presence of God. And so what we want to do is we want to give you some observations. Uh, not only do we want to give you some observations, but we also want to prophesy a little bit to your life, to our city, and to our region. Are you ready for some word? Okay, so write down number one today. This is what we want to declare to New England. If we were writing a letter to New England, this is what we want to say is number one is from my observation and prophetically, I want to declare that we are a generation, that we are hungry. Come on, somebody say hungry. 
You ever been in a place, in a position where you are just absolutely famished and you will do anything to get the thing that you desire? Um, you know, we live in New England. And so any given second, Massachusetts weather is bipolar. So you can have a snowstorm and then all of a sudden later at night, it's 55 degrees outside. And so recently, I think it was, uh, you know, just a, a week ago, we had this big snowstorm. We had a bunch of snow on the ground. Of course, I had to shovel it out and whatnot. But I was just craving barbecue chicken pizza. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel God moving in this place right now. So I just craved this barbecue chicken pizza from Basil's, and I'm just like, babe, I need to go get this pizza. I need to go get this pizza. Babe, it's a snowstorm outside. There's literally 12 inches of snow on the ground. I don't care. I know the conditions are horrible. I know I shouldn't go do this, but because I'm hungry, I will do stupid things to go get the thing that I desire. You know where I'm going. So a lot of people would call that irrational. I just call that hunger. And listen, sometimes what people say, especially about people that serve in the local church, that give their lives to the local church, that give their money to the local church, let me tell you something. A lot of people call it irrational. That is just the hunger for God. Let me tell you something about some of the people in this church. The reason we have what we have is not because I'm anything good or anything special. It is not because of our leadership. A lot of times it's honestly in spite of me. It's because we have many people that are sacrificing over and over again. Case in point, let me just highlight this young man right here. Jimmy, wave your hand really quick. This is Jimmy Klimowitz. Hold up. Pause for a second. Pause for a second. I didn't say anything yet. Let me just tell you something about one person in our church. This is one person on our team, and we have hundreds of people like this in our church that do this. This young man will drive an hour and 15 minutes every single time to get to this church. He will come to team night. He will come to 508 night. He will come early. He will stay late. He will come to Sunday mornings. He will drive home on Sunday mornings. He will come throughout the week sometimes just to serve his local church. And he's been serving in the parking lot outside in the freezing cold for two years straight. Not one complaint. All he's been doing is just staying faithful because that is what we call the hunger for God. Can we give it up for this young man right here? It's because a young man like that, that's why we have what we have, is because there are some people in this place that are simply just hungry to say, we are going to see God move, we're going to see God do something in this city. Case in point, let me give you another example. The drummer that was playing here, I don't know where David is in the room, but David Sampaio. Where you at, boy? You out here in the back? He's in the back? David Sampaio. Young man, has a young family, a wife, Tanya right here. This is my beautiful sister. I love her. Davi Sampaio right here. Listen to me. David, come here. David, stay over here. Right here. This man's a business owner. He has a young daughter. Mila is three or four years old. She's four years old. Young daughter, family, growing business, and he has been serving faithfully here for about five years now doing the drums. Coming every single Thursday night. He comes and serves every single Sunday. Like... You don't get what happens here, but we have people that are hungry, and that is why we have what we have is because there's a hunger for God in this place. That's why we have what we have. Listen, we are not built on the talent of a few people. We are built on the sacrifices of many people. And if you want to see God move, you need to stir up that hunger on the inside of you. There's a psalm, there's a psalm that I want to read in Psalm 107. It says this. I believe it's Psalm 107, verse 9. It says, for he satisfies, speaking of God, he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. For he, God, satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul, he fills with good things. Now, let me ask you a simple question because we can derive this question from this text. Um, Let me just state something. Everybody is hungry for something. Everybody has a hunger and a desire. The question is, are you hungry for things that are biblical or preferential? So here's what I see in culture today, and here's from my observation of pastoring and leading hundreds of young people and being uh, an influencer to a lot of young people, is I see a lot of people that are hungry and longing for fame. 
if I see another person that are buying followers on Instagram, I'm going to slap somebody across the face. Listen, you are paying people to like you. Why do people want to get famous? Let me, let, me just, let me just state this really quick. I'm not trying to shoot anybody down. Listen to me. Why is it that you want to have everybody know you when you don't even know yourself? People want to get famous. Listen, that is not something that will satisfy and crave your soul. Fame does not do that for you. There's another thing I see a lot of people do is we have an improper definition of friendship. And so people want to be famous. People want to have friends. Listen, friends, I don't need people that just know how my day was. I need people that know how my soul is. I need, I need, I don't just need friends. I need family. And here's another thing that I see young people desiring for, longing for, and their soul is craving for is finances. Let me tell you something. You can have money in your bank, but you can have misery in your soul still. And so money cannot satisfy the God hold that is in your heart. Can I give you some suggestions for things that you should crave for your soul? Okay, number one would be this, significance. I see far too often people are trying to satisfy uh, that desire in their soul with salary and not significance. Listen, just because you might get paid twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 more at this job doesn't mean you should go to that job. You always should choose calling and significance over salary. Always. Here's another thing you show, your soul should crave is siblings. Siblings. See, people are desiring friends a lot of times. You don't need friends. You need siblings. You need family. You need brothers and sisters in arms. You need people that can go to war with and you can pray with and you can go through hell with. I don't need people that just know how my day is. I don't need people that can, I can just joke around with. I need people in my life that when I'm going through hell, they can bring a piece of heaven to my room and to my house and to pray for me, lay hands on me, and minister to me. That's what happens when you get involved in a local church like this. And here would be the last one would be this is you need significance, you need siblings. What's the last one? I'm forgetting it in my head. You need the spirit of God. Thank you. You need the spirit of God. The most important thing you could use in your life is you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Let me just ask you this simple question, and I'll pass it off to Caleb, is this. Is how do you increase in hunger? How do you do that? Uh, Because I, I think this is just a generational thing where you need to increase your hunger for God. Not your hunger for things, not your hunger for finances, not your hunger for fame. You need to increase your hunger for God and the spirit of God. Here's what you do. It's all about three things. Number one, write this one down. Fasting, praying, and serving. You want to increase your hunger? Start fasting. It's the greatest spiritual discipline you can instill in your life. What does fasting do? Fasting disconnects you from the world. Praying connects you to God. And serving refreshes your soul. Did you hear what I just said, everybody? So fasting disconnects you from the world. Do you know how distracted you are? Every single person in this room, we have distractions and we have things that are toying with our hunger. And it makes us hungry for the things of the world and not the things of God. Caleb was just talking about it. Our phones are such a distraction. I'm pretty sure phone in the Greek is the word demon. You got to be careful. Start fasting. Listen, this is what you do. You have to starve your flesh and you feed your spirit. Watch this. Monday morning, I'm asking you and I'm assigning some homework, especially to the people that this is your church. You need to start a fast. I would recommend doing it once a month, uh, maybe, maybe a couple times a year, maybe three times a year. In January, our whole church, the reason we're not doing a service in January is because we're fasting and we're giving a tithe to God saying, our services don't build the local church. God is the one that builds the local church. We can plant seeds, but God is the one that water. Paul waters it, but God makes it grow. And so, listen, we're taking some time to consecrate ourselves, to disconnect from the world, because how many know the world cannot satisfy your soul? And so, listen, you need to learn how to fast, you need to learn how to pray, and you need to learn how to serve. There's some people, and I'm just talking to our church, I'm just being a good pastor, uh, speaking to our church. Some of us are just consumers, and we're not contributors. 
in the day and age where passive faith, that needs to die. If you've been coming here for six months, nine months, even a year, and you're not on the team yet, what are you doing? I'm just being honest. I'm going to go there with you. Because, listen, uh, uh, serving is an inward conviction. Uh, is it, I'm sorry. is an outward expression of an inward conviction. Saved people serve people. And one of the reasons you're exhausted, like Pastor Shane was saying, is because you're not serving. You need to learn how to get over yourself and start serving other people and watch how your soul will be refreshed. Amen, everybody? Number one, everybody, say, everybody shout it out and say, I'm hungry. Come on, say it again. I'm hungry. Come on, we are hungry. We're a hungry generation. Come on, say it one more time. I'm hungry. Say, I'm hungry. Listen, I'm here to tell you we are healthy. Somebody say healthy in this room. Listen, I want to read, I want to read a couple verses and then we're going to dive right into it. First of all, I want to, what a word, Devin. What a word. Thank you for that. Um, I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7 and 8. It says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old, old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. It says, train yourself to be godly. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. I love that. Because check this out, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. How, how good of a word is that? Listen, uh, go, to, go to second. Uh, third John, I'm sorry, third John, I believe it's verse, chapter 1, verse 2, if we can get it on the screen, it says, Dear friend, I pray all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Both of these verses are taking physical examples of training your body or physical health and they're directly correlating them to spiritual health. And what I believe that the essence of these scriptures, what they're saying, is that spiritual health is of first importance. Because when you're spiritually healthy, you'll be emotionally healthy, you'll be relationally healthy, you'll be financially healthy. Your whole life will be in order when your spirit is in order. When you've got your inner man right, when you've got your soul right, when you are healthy and walking with God in intimacy with Jesus, everything else comes into order. And I'm here to say that New England, we are healthy. And if you're here and you're like, listen, I don't feel so healthy. Like, I feel more like I'm spiritually sick than anything else. I'm here to tell you that the church is not a place where you are going to be beat up. The church is a place where you'll be built up. In fact, the church is a hospital for those who are sick. I love the name Connect Church. Because what the, the whole vision of this church is to take, take lost people who are disconnected from God and connect them to a healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus. And that's what we are here to do as the church, to say, if you are spiritually sick, welcome home. Because we are here for you to get spiritually healthy. I'm so tired of churches in this area that are, that are excluding the people that need the church the most. And I'm here to say, we're going we're gonna to see a healthy church and we're going to include everybody that's sick so that they too can get healthy. Because we're healthy. Listen, I'm thinking about my, my, my daughter, Lena, who's two years old, about to be two years old. In fact, the last time I was here, uh, my wife, Stacy was pregnant at that point. And so now we have, now all the way, you know, now all the way through. In fact, here's a picture of my daughter, Lena. She's an angel. She's absolutely amazing. She's, I believe that she's my, probably the most adorable, cutest thing in the entire planet. Well, Zion is, Zion is super cute, too. Um, maybe we can set that up. No Lima baby know. yet. No Lima I, baby yet. So yeah, gotta. right. Arranged marriage. I don't know. They still do it in the world today, you know. All right, chill out. All right. So my daughter, she's absolutely amazing. I believe she came out the womb saved. I believe she came out. She came out speaking in tongues. She came out casting out demons. She came out laying hands on the sick. She she is like super saved, and she's just such a. She's really is a great kid. 
She's a great kid all the way up until she, it's time for her to eat some food. I don't know what happens, but, but whenever it's time to eat, we put her in her high chair. She just, she goes, she goes, she becomes an animal. This angel becomes an animal. And she eats like, like, I've never seen it. I don't know if it's just me. I haven't seen it before, but I've never seen a two-year-old eat as fast as her, as crazy as her. And I have a little bit, like, I feel like I was never diagnosed with, like, a little bit of OCD. And so I'm, my wife and I were kind of like clean freaks, especially me. I, I can't handle messes a lot. So whenever she eats, I just stay like 10 feet away from her. I'm like, babe, you got this. You know, I'm staying away from this. And so, but because as soon as, say, we got like pasta or we got meatballs, we got whatever, and we put it, we put it before her, she is elbow deep in pasta sauce in 30 seconds. And it's acceptable today because she's two. She eats that way because she's two. But there's going to be a problem if she's 16 and she's still eating the same way. Because healthy things grow and healthy things become mature. And if she's eating the same way she did when she was two, we've got a problem with her health. And I'm here to say, when we, please, dear Lord, come to Connect Church. I hope that tonight you have a radical encounter with Jesus. I hope that you, you, you are disconnected, you are far from God. I pray that tonight you would get connected, that you would get saved. But here's the deal. God doesn't want you to just stay at saved. He wants you to stay saved and spiritually healthy. And I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because everybody at Connect Church, for some reason, is yoked up and swole. I don't know where they get it from. Maybe it's Pastor Derek Fry. I'm not totally sure. That man is the most intimidating man I've ever met in my life. In fact, if, if Hollywood is, 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 needs a new person to play the Hulk, just paint that man green and call it a day because that man is, he's swole. So everybody's, I feel like it's a prerequisite, Devin, to, to, to be jacked up to be here at Connect Church. I, I would not be allowed to be a, a member here at Connect. Sick, it's disgusting, you know. <laughs> But here's the deal, like, like, God wants all of us spiritually healthy. And there's two things that, that keep us physically healthy, but if we do them in the spiritual realm, they'll keep us spiritually healthy as well. And the, two, the first one is, is exercise. I know I'm preaching the choir. Everybody, we, we need, nobody will argue with me that exercise is good for you. Nobody's going to argue with me that working out is a healthy thing to keep you physically fit. We all need to, we, we, should, we should work out. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, Preaching to myself right now. You look at me, you're like, yo, you look so good. I know, but let me take this jacket off. And, you know, it don't look so good. I'm, I've been married for four years. I have, a, I have, you know, one child. I'm a dad. I'm working on my dad bod. Okay, so chill. <laughs> chill out. But exercise is essential for health. In the same way, exercise is essential for your spiritual health. Exercise is absolutely necessary. In fact, I wrote in my notes, you don't get transformation without dedication. You'll never be transformed spiritually, and you will stay at the surface of salvation. But until you start working out your faith and working out your salvation, like the Bible says, you will become strong in spirit. You'll become spiritually healthy. And that's what God wants for every one of us, to be spiritually healthy. Go and say healthy. Paul the Apostle was someone in the scriptures, and, and you know, all of us... A lot of us in this room know who Paul the Apostle was, and this man was, was, uh, had so much uh, health in his spiritual realm that he saw Jesus face to face, had direct revelation with Jesus, and it was this, he had a powerful prayer life. Uh, nobody would argue that he had a powerful prayer life. And so what he was doing, he, he was traveling and, and doing missionary journeys all over the world, and he was building up churches. He was casting out demons. He was, he was preaching, and thousands and millions would come to Christ because of his letters written to the church. And th- this man is a powerhouse in the faith. But there's these seven sons of Skevans in Acts chapter 19 
who heard about Paul and they wanted his power. So what they did is they went out looking for a fight with a demon. I don't recommend it. But they went out looking for a fight with a demon and, and they found this dude who was demon possessed. And they said these words. I find it so profound. They said, in the name of Jesus, ready, whom Paul preaches, I rebuke you. See, they wanted the power of God, but not, they didn't want to be proximate with God. They wanted the power and the benefits of, of, of what Paul had, but they didn't want to be intimate with Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you, when you pray, you are building up your inner man. You are working out your faith. When you seek God, you have a routine. You have a daily appointment with God that you don't break. You are getting spiritually strong. I believe the church in New England, we just need to see, we just need to have prayer lives. And God would just begin to lift up the, the spiritual health in our life, and we would be strong in spirit if we would pray. The second thing that everybody needs... We need a good diet. If you want to stay physically healthy, you need to eat right. Turn to your neighbors and say, eat right. Eat right. If you want to be spiritually, if you want to be spiritually healthy, what you consume matters so much. I have a confession to make at 508. There are times like nights like these where I'll be preaching, I'll be out late, um, or I'll just be on a trip somewhere and it's a late night. And so I'll be like in a setting like this, for example, and I'll be talking with people and we'll be hanging out. And for some reason, the five away has their service at 11 o'clock at night. And so, be, and we, so we'll be like, we'll be mixing it up. And then I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Like shout out to hunger. Like we, we hungry. And so what I want to do is, is I, usually what's open late at night is Wendy's, McDonald's. And so what I will do, don't judge me. Don't judge me here. But a late night, every once in a while, I will roll up to the McDonald's drive-thru. And I, your boy will order some food. We got some people that love McDonald's. Who loves McDonald's in the house? There was like three people. Okay. Y'all eat McDonald's. You're just lying to yourself right now. So, so I'll get McDonald's. Here's the deal. Because I'm tired, because I'm exhausted, because I, I'm just hungry for something. I'm not really hungry for what's healthy. I just want something to fill me. I will go to what is convenient thinking that what is convenient will fulfill me. Yet the thing that's convenient isn't always good for you. And what's good for you isn't always convenient. But we have a habit of running to the things that are easy and placed right in front. Something that's fast and something that's, that's available. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to be spiritually healthy, you got to eat right. Not everything that's convenient is good for you. Not everything that, that, is, that is easy and available is good for you. I know that pornography is available. I know that, that that girl that you could hook up with and that guy that you could, you know, meet on Tinder or whatever, I know, I know that they're available. I know that music and those movies and that Netflix TV show, Hell at Your Boy, I, I know that they're available, but they're not all good for you. And so what, what, what I'm trying to say at the 508 night is that we have to hunger after the things that are healthy for us. In the Bible in Romans, it's Romans chapter 10, it says, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of God. One of my favorite verses, and anybody in this room, I want to, by a show of raising hands, if you want greater faith, raise your hand. If you want greater faith, raise your hand. The way that you get greater faith is by going to the word of God. And when you consume the scriptures and when you're in the Bible, when you're reading those pages, of, listen, the Bible is the disclosed nature of God. It is how we mediate a relationship with the Lord. It is through his word that we get to know him. Yes, it's through prayer, but it's also through his word. If you want to get spiritually healthy, you got to eat right. you got to go to the word. you got to set aside some time every single morning. And you got to open the scriptures and you got to get in that word. 
listen, my daughter, sometimes she needs help right now. Sometimes she, she needs, we need to, like, get a spoon, and we need to spoon feed my daughter. But, if, but when she is 16, we're not going to be spoon feeding my daughter. Some of you, you're like, uh, you, you want spiritual maturity, but you want to be spoon fed every single Sunday. You want to be spoon fed every Friday night at 508 night. My pastor's just not feeding me. I just don't feel, if I hear that one more time, I don't feel fed by my pastor. Listen, you need to be feeding yourself at some point. My daughter's two right now, but when she's 16, she's going to pick up that fork. She's going to put that fork in her mouth. She's going to eat some food on her own. We've got to get in the Word of God. We've got to get in the Word of God. Because if we don't, we will become malnourished. Listen, this is a real thing happening all over the world today. People are not getting enough food. There's starvation in the world today. So people are getting malnourished. If I can have that on the screen, the, the, the causes of malnourishment, the causes of malnourishment. Listen, look at this. The first cause is not enough food. Not enough food. The second is not enough of the right food. Not enough of the right food. And then lastly, not being able to use the food that one eats. But check out the symptoms. Check out the symptoms of, of malnourishment or malnutrition. This is the symptom. Ready? Reduced appetite. I find that fascinating that reduced appetite, even though you need food, you have a, a reduced appetite for food. I believe when we just fill our lives with, with, with all the busyness, all the distractions, all the things that are convenient, the things that are available, the things that are easy, we will actually become less, we will have a, le, a less appetite for what God wants us to be eating every single day. You hunger for what you feed on. I go to Chick-fil-A three days a week. Why? Because I'm hungry for it. I mean, I'd be, we being transparent. <laughs> like, why is Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday? Closed on Sunday. You my Chick-fil-A. You my number. Okay. A reduced appetite. Second is, is, is feeling tired all the time. Feeling tired all the time. And then last one, this is what I want to I focus on, is it takes a longer time for wounds to heal when you're malnourished. And I was praying for 508 today, and I felt that God had sent me to the 508 to say, some of you in this room, you have been suffering with wounds that should have been healed years ago, but because you're malnourished, you're not getting enough of what is good for you, what is right for you, you are still suffering day by day from wounds that you should have been healed. And I'm here to say, oh, stand on the word of God that says Isaiah chapter 53, by his stripes we are healed. There is healing in the room tonight if you would just consume and stand and believe the word of God. I see a healthy church. I see a revitalized church. I see a church that is, that is full of what is healthy for that church. Come on, somebody say amen. Touch your neighbor and say, we healthy. Come on, we are, we are hungry. We are healthy. We are holy. I'm a renter. I, I don't, I'm not a homeowner. I'm a renter. Uh, any renters in the house, you, you pay rent. Come on, this was rent week, so we're feeling extra broke tonight. Um, uh, but today was payday for some, so maybe you're all right. But you didn't give that check to your landlord until that direct deposit came in. All right, got you. Um, so I'm a, I'm a renter, and I love renting, man. I, love, I, know, I know homeowning is goals, but I love me some rent. Because if... if if it snows, guess whose problem it's not? Mine. If, if, the, if the landscaping is looking all jacked up, guess whose problem that's not? Mine. If the fridge breaks, guess whose problem it's not? Not my problem. I don't own it. I pay to live here. <laughs> 
I don't own it. But so Alini and I live in a, in a building with multiple apartments, dozens of apartments, a big building. And, and, and so we're, we're in the corner, corner unit. And I remember the day we moved in, uh, the day we got the keys, the day we started bringing in our stuff. And, and, uh, and, and I went extreme with it because I'm a man of extremes. And, and I pulled out the olive oil. The, I pulled out the anointing oil. <laughs> I really, I really did. And, and I went to the four corners of my apartment, and I put, I put olive oil, anointing oil on the four corners of my apartment. And then I went to the doorpost, and I said, Lord, in the same way that you covered the children of Israel, I declare your reign and your rule over this house. You can go into my front door, and you will see there is olive oil still four years later on that doorpost. I'm not cleaning it. I'm not wiping it. Come on, the angels of the Lord are ascending and descending upon that doorpost because... We consecrated that, that apartment. I don't know what happened there before, but from the moment I walk in, that thing is holy ground. I don't know what took place in that building before I got there. But once I got there, that place turned into a sanctuary. I don't know who came in here before me, but I know who goes before me now. And this place is holy ground. Come on, and we just declare the reign and the rule of God over that apartment in the name of Jesus. Come on, now I'm not Catholic, but give God some praise. Come on, it belongs to the Lord so so we did all of that right but but so 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 the so the apartment is holy the apartment is consecrated but it's not isolated you see in order for it to be holy it didn't mean I needed to detach my apartment from the community that I was a part of it just meant that my section of that community was now dedicated to the purposes of God. You see, I think, some, I think a generation ago, the Church of New England was the holy homeowners, which means that we wanted our territory and our space, and we wanted space between us and the world, and we, we didn't like your music, so we're going to make our own music, and we, didn't, we don't want your movies, so we're going to make our left-behind Christian movies, and we don't want your mugs, so we're going to make our Prayer of Jabez mugs, and we don't want your calendars, we want our God's Promises calendars, and we don't want your, we don't want your stores, Christian bookstores, we don't want your amusement parks, Holy Land in Orlando, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want nothing of the world, and so we're going to bubble ourselves off and create our own subculture where we have our mugs and our calendars and, and our music and our concerts and our conferences and, and it's our stuff and don't you touch it and, and don't you come over here because we are scared of evil coming into the church. But New England, we need the world to be scared of the church getting into the world. Because the more the church bubbles itself off from the world, the less influence we have. We can't be homeowners. We got to be renters. We got to share walls with people that need us. Because you see, homeowners can make all the noise they want. No one hears them. Homeowners can throw a party at 1 a.m. and it doesn't matter. No one hears them. But renters, any noise you make, the people next to you have to hear what you're doing. What if our influence has decreased because no one's hearing us, because we've isolated ourselves from the world? We can be set apart. We can be consecrated, but not isolated. 
Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, he's talking to God. He says, God, I pray that you would not remove them from the world, but preserve them from the enemy. Which means that we are called to be in the world. We are called to be part of the culture. We are called to be in our community and in our city and in our workplaces. And man, I, I like uh, God bless all the people that are doing all these Christian things. But man, I think it's about time that Christians raise up and be excellent business leaders. I think it's about time that politicians raise up and be kingdom minded. Not politics-minded, kingdom-minded. I think it's about time that music feels the repercussions of the kingdom of God. Folks, can we make some excellent Christian movies in the name of the Lord? Stuff that's half good in the name of Jesus. That does not end with the corniest cliche I've ever heard in my life. In Jesus' name. Like, it's about time that the world starts looking to us. I'm not scared of evil. Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Since when should the church be? I'm not scared of the world being the world. I'm not scared of the world being the world. I think the world needs to be scared of the church being the church. And church, if we will rise up and not isolate ourselves, I dare say that we will see revival happen in our time. Again, we have to have our voices heard. We got to be renters. Tell your neighbor, we got to be renters. We got to be renters. Got to be renters. Check this out. Because renters, check this out. Rent, and I got to end. Renters, we're not staying. We're just passing through. I'm not attached to anything that's not attached to the kingdom. Come on. Consecrated people are just passing through. I'm not attached to people. I'm not attached to opinions. I'm not attached to money. I'm not attached to jobs. I'm not attached to paychecks. I'm not attached to degrees. I'm not attached to anything that's not attached to my king. And because we are just passing through. I'm not building walls up in my apartment. That thing's not my home forever. I'm just passing through. I'm not painting nothing. Anything I paint got to be repainted when I leave. I'm not painting, not painting jack because I'm just passing through. I'm not touching it. It's not mine. It's not my problem. <laughs> you got to know that we're just young people. We're just passing through. We're, we're just passing. We're just, we're, we're just kind of coming through for a little lifetime. And, and we're off to our real home, which is the king of kings and the lord of lords, his throne, his reign, his kingdom. Church, we're just, we're just kind of, pa- we got to be renters. We're, I'm not here forever. I'm, so while I'm here, I'm going to make this thing count. I didn't pay for the granite in my apartment. That thing was there before I got there. I'm going to take advantage of it till I got to buy my own thing. It won't be granite. But, but, but I'm just passing. I'm just passing. Come on, Fort Micah. I'm just passing through in Jesus' name. Just passing through. I think so, some young people are just getting. We are, we are planting and landing on things that don't have eternal value. Planting and landing on, on, on the approval of people. Planting and landing on jobs. That Did you know that your boss will post your position tomorrow if you quit today? They will be on Indeed quicker than you can walk out of that office. They will be on Monster.com before you say, I'm done here. Don't tie your soul to a job that could replace you tomorrow. Money. Yo, money goes quick. Come on, quick, faster than it comes, it's gone. Come on, student loans. Come on, Sally Mae, Navient. Like, it's, it's gone. Come on, mall. <laughs> like, it's, 
It's, it's gone. Come on, online shopping. Come on, it's, it's gone. Come on, Ulta. Like, it's gone. You can't, Tarjay, you got, it's gone. <laughs> if anybody's at Walmart rebuked in the name of the Lord, receive the spirit of Target and Cumberland Farms in Jesus' mighty name. We're passing through. But number two is that when we're renters, we don't answer to ourselves, we answer to the landlord. We can be consecrated, set apart. I think the church has for far too long answered to itself instead of answering to the landlord. This is not Shane's church. It's not Devin's church. It's not Caleb's church. It's not Pastor Lima's church. It's not Pastor Eaton's church. It's not Pastor Derek Fry's church. It's the King's church. It's the Lord's church. And man, we are not answering to anybody else other than the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. Church, we are, we're renters. We're just passing through. We answer to the landlord. But number three is this, is that we're here. We're living here. We're not from here. We, 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 we're living here, we're living in community, but we're, 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 we're at the same time separated. I think the beauty of the church is when we can be in the world, but not of the world, which means we are living by a higher set of principles. We're living by a different set of rules. Come on, I think my apartment has a different atmosphere than the rest of my building. Come on, weed on the outside, worship on the inside. Come on now. That hallway be smelling all kinds of things right there, out, out there. But, but the moment you step over that little piece of wood that is the threshold of my home, it goes from, it goes from Babylon to Bed Bath & Beyond in, in a second. Come on now. Bed Bath & Body Works. I'm merging all the stores. It, it's, it's, it, it goes from, it goes from, from hell to hell. It, it, there's a transition. But you see, it doesn't mean that I never step out into my hallway. Oh, no, it's too dirty, too filthy, too smelly. No, no, no. But, but, but man, when I start blasting Phil Thompson, my worship, in my apartment, and I let my neighbors hear the worship that's happening in my apartment, and, and man, it, and, and when my wife lights the, those Bed Bath & Beyond Bath & Body Work candles, and, and tomorrow's candle day, by the way, everybody, so go and get your candles. And when all that gets lit, and the, and the aroma of, of the atmosphere that we have set is able to spread through the air vents to other places, come on, I believe that that's what the church is called to be. We are in the world we're not of the world we're set apart but not isolated we are consecrated but we are not an island but you see this church you see this check this out check this out because for a generation ago holiness meant that we are nope don't touch me I won't touch you holiness meant I'm gonna abide by these rules and if you even look like a sinner I'm going the other way but you see if holiness reaches no one what you've built is an island and not the kingdom True holiness is perfect love demonstrated in two practical ways, love to God and love for people. And man, when we are holy, that means that we live out the embodiment, the essence, the DNA, the culture of the kingdom, which is perfect love. Holiness is not strict adherence to church rules and rituals. Holiness is perfect love. And we can never love a world that we're isolated ourselves from. So New England, I'm not scared that this is the most least biblically minded, least churched region of the nation. If anything, that is the greatest atmosphere for the move of God. And it will be the biggest backdrop for the revival that comes in our generation. 
and it won't come because we created a subculture. It will come because we shaped the culture. It won't come because we were scared of the world. It will come because we chose to be the light of the world. Revival won't happen if we have our own thing, but we bring our thing to the world. Come on, church. Raise up a new generation that says we will be the church of Jesus Christ for New England. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. If you believe that 508, if you believe that New England, give God a shout of praise. This is the best time to be alive. This is the best time to be in New England. This is the best time to be a believer because it is the best backdrop for the radical move of God for our generation. Oh man, the best is yet to come. God has only just begun. And I believe in church with every fiber of my being. New England, hear us. We are healthy. We are hungry. We are holy. And the gates of hell itself can never stop us. Give God a shout of praise if you believe it. forgot to cue the worship team. Worship team, get up here. <laughs> Can everybody stand with me all across this place? Oh man, what I, what I sense, what I sense is that tonight our eyes are being opened to the size of the harvest that's in front of us. But scripture says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And here's the fact, is that New England will never be changed by Caleb, Devin, and Shane. It won't. We, we can't see a third grade awakening because Devin, Caleb, and Shane said yes. But, but I dare say that it's in moments like this where the Spirit stirs your heart and you say, I'm buying in to what God is doing in our generation. Man, that's where revival is sparks. And man, when revival starts, no one can stop it. Tonight is an overflow of, yes, a friendship. And I praise God for friends like Devin and Caleb. But I believe tonight is prophetic over your life, over your sphere of influence, over your church. We are hungry. We are healthy. We are holy. And tonight, worship team is going to come up and we're going to go back into a time of worship to close off tonight. But, but if you're saying, if we could get the lights in the house down for just a moment in this intimate time with the Lord, I believe that there is a response. And man, this is not going to be a highly emotionally charged response. This is just you saying, God, I want to be used in part of your move for this region in our time. If you feel stirred by this moment in God's presence and you're saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to be part of the generation of kings and queens. God is raising up in New England. That's, that's the DNA that I want. If, that, if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, could you lift up your hand and you're just saying, this, this is, I, I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. This is an act of faith 
Right now, what you're doing is you're taking hold of this word and you're coming into alignment and agreement with that. In the name of Jesus, hands lifted all across this place, front to back, side to side. I'm just gonna say a word of prayer for you and the worship team will lead us back in. You can put your hands down. Father, right now, God, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father, I declare over every life, every hand that was lifted, your reign and your rule. God, over mind, heart, soul, body, relationships, finances, career, future, God. Right now, Lord, I declare, God, that, that there is an erasing of the old and a renewing of the new, God. And Father, eyes are opening and scales are falling off and weights are being lifted and thoughts are being cleansed and, and purposes are being revealed, God, and dreams are being restored and homes, God, in the name of Jesus, will be filled with the power and the presence of God, God. Right now, we declare that we are held and we are hungry and we are holy and father we consecrate ourselves, but we won't isolate ourselves. God we will be in this world but not of it and we declare right now in Jesus name that we want to be part of the move of God for this generation and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against your purposes father we declare this in your mighty name the name of the king of of kings and the Lord of Lords, the sustainer of the church, Jesus the Christ. And everybody said, Almighty, Amen. Can you give God a shout of praise in this place?